Welcome to Top Brew, the show that is best served fresh. Our podcast is sponsored by Thrasher Coffee. Shop at thrashercoffee.com for delicious small batch roasted to order coffees. I am Joe Darnell and joining me today is the coffee man, Mr. Eric Rauk. Top of the morning to you, Joe. Who can fill your cup up? <laughs> coffee man can. Yeah. This is episode 29. We, we've almost arrived at 30 episodes. I felt like we should do something special for the 30th episode, but I, I have no ideas. Is this going to be another episode of Top Brew? That's special enough. Yeah, just saying that it's 30, that's, that's, a, that's a milestone in and of itself. Maybe we should drink a venti-sized cup of coffee before we start episode 30. I don't know what that means. There's 30 ounces in a venti, right? I have no idea. I know it's, I know that, that, that that's a big that's a big cup of coffee when you go to Starbucks, but I don't I don't actually know what a venti is. It probably takes at least thirty ounces of water to make whatever a venti is. Probably. Mm-hmm. After it, the steam has risen, and you have the final brew in order, we're going to be talking about some things that go on in your venti cups at Starbucks and stuff today. We're talking about the differences between grab and go coffee and made to order coffee. And this is something that came up actually as like an offshoot of what we were discussing last week. We were talking about decaf and the, how decaf is made in episode 28. And I, and I got to thinking like in the back of my mind, it was just mulling over the details, Eric. It occurred to me, I think a lot of people get their decaf is from coffee houses. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you get you know decaf when you're in the company of guests at home at a dinner party and it's after 4 p.m. in the afternoon, people want to have something that, you know, is not fully loaded with the caffeine. So, so they, they prep some decaf for their company, right. right? While I was thinking this through, I was thinking about the differences between your Starbucks way of making coffee and the uh, blue bottle way of making coffee for the masses. You have your customers come in, they start to form a line the, the drive-through gets full around, what is it, like 6 a.m. in the morning every day? I'm never up that early, but I, I assume that's probably correct. They're not open all night. And, they, you know, they won't serve some kinds of coffee all day. Isn't that weird? We were talking about how ha- half-calf coffee is popular or was popular was, a few years yeah. ago. When I was getting the half-calf coffee on a regular basis, they didn't have decaf available to serve you at Starbucks after 4 p.m. They only had decaf in the morning and afternoon. <laughs> and really? so, yeah, and when I would order a half-calf, which like made total sense to me after 4 p.m., right. they'd have to make it to order. Why? Well, what's the logic there? Well, there, there probably isn't any logic there. It's probably based strictly on sales. It's, it's, they, they look at their, mm. at their, at their statistics, you know, they, I mean, they plot everything. Everything's computerized so they can see they sell, um, I'm just making Making up numbers, but say they percentages they, wise, it's like ninety seven percent caffeinated coffee yeah. drinks after four p.m. Right, very few people come in and order decaf after four, or after six, or whatever. So for those people that do absolutely want caffeinated or or decaffeinated coffee after that amount of time, we'll just make them pour over because mm. because because we can do that too. So it's just annoying. Um, in the process, the process was annoying because you'd have to sit and wait in Starbucks, a place where you felt like you're supposed to get fast service. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be able to just approach them and they had something hot and ready for you mm-hmm. the moment you approached the counter. It wasn't going to taste any better if it took them five minutes to make it. Yeah, but it's I guess it's trying to be all things to all people. They're trying to give you that perception that every cup is handcrafted, every cup is is lovingly made, but at the same time there's that there's that that same aspect where people are on the go, they wanna they want to just swing through the drive through, grab something and 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 head on their way. So trying to make both of those 
both those wants of reality is where the tension, I think, lies. Well, and that's what we were going to talk about because I was thinking about my half-calf. I was thinking about my history with decaf, which led to my history with made-to-order coffee versus grab-and-go coffee. Now, where we live here in Georgia... Maybe you should define those, what you're talking about, what you mean. Okay. All right. It makes perfect sense. I'm calling grab-and-go coffee what you get at Dunkin' Donuts or at the hotel lobby. It's pre-prepared. It's sitting there waiting for you to come and tap some out of the the little pot or urn or whatever it is. And then it's ready whenever you are. Right. Your mom made a pot of coffee this morning or the, you know, the alarm on set on the electric drip dinged this morning and it made you a fresh pot of coffee this morning before you ever got out of bed. You got up with your eyes practically shut. You basically dragged your feet into the kitchen. You grabbed a mug and poured something out of that pot into your cup. It's electric chip coffee, but it's also grab and go coffee. Like okay. it's already done. Now, how does that differ then from made to order? Made to order means it's, well, it's crafted for one, like it doesn't pre-exist. When you walk into Starbucks, the coffee already exists. It was made 23 minutes ago. Some of it, yeah. Yeah. And maybe you just got lucky and you walked in at a 1231 and they have a fresh thing of pike roast. Mm-hmm. But that would not be made to order coffee because they were already making it before you ever became a customer okay. that day. You know, made to order coffee is how Blue Bottle does it which is, you know, become more of a popular craze in the coffee culture scene around the country. So in other words, they're, they're making you a pour over or they're making you a, an AeroPress or, or maybe even a French press or, or, yeah, or what floats your when boat. you walk in, you say, I want a blank, 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 blank made in a, made as a pour over or whatever else. And they, and they, they, they proceed to make it. It's not. Yeah. We're, and your, your blank, blank, blank is not skinny, non-fat latte with extra blah, blah, no, blah. I'm no, no, no. T- we're saying. A naturally we're, processed Ethiopian Yerga chef from. No, no. Uh, yeah. The, the made to order stuff in a craft coffee house is where the coffee has not been heated. It has not been ground. It, there's no water steeping over the grounds. It's not in a pot. It's not in a press yet. It's not in a coffee cup yet. It does. They're going to start the recipe when they have your money or they've swiped your card. So in other words, what you mean is made to order. Yes. <laughs> I guess the definition is in the term. Yeah. Well, now everybody knows, including the idiots and listening to this podcast. We love you guys. <laughs> no, but but when you when you first sent this to me as, as a show topic, I didn't know what you meant because I, I never really... Never was, stopped to really break this down between right, the two business right. models. So I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking the audience is, is maybe they're along with us for the ride, but then... It's always good sure. to define your terms. Absolutely. You know, when you're in a um, a 7-Eleven and you get coffee, it's grab-and-go coffee. That's, it's all grab-and-go. Yeah. yeah. And, and guess what? When you're staying at a Hilton and you get breakfast downstairs, it's grab-and-go coffee same, too. Right. Same thing. But that's disturbing to me because part of me feels like I paid so much more for this experience at a nice, luxurious place or something like that. This is vacation here we're talking about. They gave me a made-to-order breakfast, maybe, because I'm not using the buffet today. And they gave me grab-and-go coffee. Yeah, well, this, this, this whole idea, this is a, a, a fairly new idea to so many people, and even within the food industry. This is one of the things that, that, that we're running into when, when we're going around to local restaurants and, and, and bakeries and what have you in the, in the local area, trying to get them to – we're trying to get them to consider carrying Thrasher coffee in their, their diners, bakery yeah. or whatever – it's very hard to get people to see that coffee is something that you offer as a food product. It's it's a drink, sure, but just like every other every other product on your menu, take pride in it. Don't just say, "Well, 
we've been serving Maxwell House for years and people buy it. Well, they buy it because they don't have any other choice. That is the coffee you give them. The public has gotten to the point where they just accept this mediocre coffee experience, even from a high-end restaurant. You know, even from a restaurant that, that takes so yes. much pride in their food and their dessert and presentation and everything else. And then they bring out this mediocre, lousy cup of coffee for you to finish off your meal with. What, what we're trying to sh- show people is that, look, that's, that's part of the experience. You know, don't discount that. Don't, don't put so much emphasis on your food and then forget about the probably one of the last things that they're going to have in their mouth from your restaurant. Like, right. like that final cup of coffee or whatever yeah. that, that they're having with their dessert or whatever else, it's going to leave an impression in their mind. Now, now they're going to be you know, right. Im- impressed by the food and everything else, but why trail it off? Why not keep that, that experience going? Why, why do you want it to end on a down note? It, it is so weird to me. I mean, like, it, I don't think it's weird to anyone who hasn't stopped to, to think about it, to and think that, it through. I think that's the key. They, yeah. they just, just like when, when you said, you know, this is what I want, I want the show to be about. What do you think? And I said, right. huh? And, and then this, when you explain it, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. Right. Well, think about it. What you said thought about it. From a great restaurant. My, one of my favorite restaurants is the Cheesecake Factory. Okay. Now, if I went in there and I ordered the adult-sized portion of a macaroni and cheese, I don't expect them to break out some kind of TV dinner box and nuke it for exactly. some, you know, 10 minutes in the microwave. I expect them to make something fresh to order. And, right. and honest to God, it makes a world of difference, and I'm willing to pay for it. Right. And so does a fresh cup of coffee. So does a handmade, and, and even if it, if it is grab and go coffee, at least put some time limits on it, like they do at Starbucks. If they make a whole pot of coffee, every one of their insulated pots, they have a timer on, and they're supposed to dump it after whatever it is, 30, 45 minutes or something. They're supposed to dump it and make another one so that it doesn't sit there and right. and fester for three hours. They recognize the value of freshness. Right, right. So there, there's, we're not saying that the grab and go coffee is some, is some like evil thing, but Coffee does degrade after you make it and you let it sit there and, and you let it continue to, to heat up. And especially in those insulated pots, it does change. It keeps feeding itself essentially, and it starts breaking down the chemical aspect of the coffee and it does get worse. It has a somewhat burned flavor. Well, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of McDonald's. It reminds me of the popular diner era, you know, that got started in what was it like the 40s and 50s when everything was grab and go. And, uh-huh. you know, I was watching American Quick, Graffiti. Convenient. Yeah. Yeah. We were watching American Graffiti the other night. Mm-hmm. It, you know, showed just beautiful clarity what it was like to go to a fast food place back then. Right. A fast food place was like the next generation version of the American diner establishment. Mm-hmm. But in both cases, you had some things that were made to order and some things were, that were grab and go. And it seems like the drinks in general were grab and go things. It wasn't like you needed to go out back and milk the cow right. to get a fresh cup of chocolate milk. Right. And obviously, if you're if you're going to have the milk already prepared in the refrigerator all day long, all week long, then th- the same is true about other beverages. Anything that could reduce work and make it more efficient so that they could quickly and, grab their beverages and move on. And faster. And that was, you know, the diner, the McDonald's, the, I remember watching a documentary on, on Burger King. I can't even remember what his name is, but whoever founded Burger King gambled. He said, look, I think this is, this is my business model is that, that people would willingly trade money for time because he saw money as being something that you can make more of, but time as being something that's fixed. And you you can't, you have so many hours in a day. And if you're spending an hour and a half of that day preparing dinner or preparing lunch or, or, or whatever else, now, McDonald's was already in existence at this point, but um, he gambled that people would be willing to trade money 
for time. And it, you know, the gamble paid off. So there is that run through the drive-through, get it and, and leave. That's, that's great. But mm. eventually that, that fascination starts to wear off and you start to wonder where is the quality? You know, and I think, I think that's what we're seeing. We've talked about this before. We're seeing that, that craft aspect, that quality aspect coming back in all sorts of fields, in furniture, even the, uh, what's it called? CrossFit mm. in, in the, in, in the exercise field, yeah. there's this, this kind of like back to nature sort of idea where I don't want to go to the gym and use all these mechanized things. I, I want to go out and lift tree limbs and, and, and just get back to nature where, where things are, are, they just seem more base, more natural, but there, but there's a quality there. There's an aspect that you're doing something good for your body, but you're also clearing out your land or you're, you know, you're doing something work-wise that's effective rather than just moving, moving a bar on a machine up and down. I want to talk more about the fresh coffee movement in a minute, but first I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Thrasher Coffee, for being our continual sponsor. This show isn't possible without the loving support of Thrasher and our listeners. So here's what you can do for us. Visit Thrasher Coffee and try out one of their incredible small batch roasts. They're brilliant coffee specialists, and they roast whole beans to order and ship them to your home or office. What you'll receive in the mail is a box that will smell up the room with a fresh scent of coffee goodness every time you burst open one of these boxes. All that fresh coffee that was self-contained in the box, you're going to smell it. It's going to be great. Just that alone, before you've ever brewed anything, is worth the wait of getting the coffee in the mail. And if you end up enjoying Thrasher Coffee as much as I do, don't hesitate to join a coffee subscription. You'll be sent a fresh full 16-ounce pound of coffee at the interval of your choosing every two or four weeks. All for a competitive price on craft roasted coffee, and new customers receive 25% off of their order when they use the coupon code TOPRU at checkout. Thrasher Coffee Roast responsibly harvested beans, thus supplying premium, fresh, small-batch coffee that my friends and family know and enjoy every day. Thank you again, Thrasher Coffee, for supporting Top Brew and keeping the mics on. So something you pointed out to me earlier, Eric, when we were discussing the idea for this topic was that espresso in any kind of coffee house or establishment, if you come by them, if you have genuine, well-made espresso, it is traditionally made to order. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that? Why is that different from the other coffee that you get at Starbucks? We've been mentioned the idiots listening to our show. I don't think that they know the difference between the I espresso. Think, I don't think we call them idiots. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll take that out in post. <laughs> yeah. The geniuses listening to our show, they don't know the difference between espresso and the other coffee made at Starbucks. So wh why, why the difference? And what is so attractive about espresso? Well, I don't know. I mean, I can only speak for myself. I think um, for some people, it's just the jolt of energy. It's concentrated. So you get through it faster and it gets into your bloodstream that much well, quicker. Right. I mean, you know, when you would walk the streets of Italy or, or whatever, you know, 50, 60, some odd, 80, some odd years ago, the, the, you would get a shot of espresso there. Maybe they would, they would submerge it in milk and, and make you a cappuccino. But primarily what you would get is just this tiny little demitasse cup of coffee, you know, one, one and a half ounces worth of, of drink that had all the caffeine content, maybe even a little bit more than a full eight ounce cup of brewed coffee. So, so it is, it's concentrated. You're going to get, and then if you get a double shot, you know, you're getting essentially two cups of coffee in, in, in one cup. And it does taste different with heat and with pressure. It extracts the flavor from the coffee differently. So there is, the, there is that, but yeah, you know, most people are going to, are going to, dump it into a bunch of milk, and then they're going to put flavorings in it. So, so I mean... I, I mean but these it, are the characteristics that most people are thinking about when they get espresso. What they're not thinking about is the fact that because of how 
a espresso order uh, recipe works, it's usually made to order. It's, it's made fresh. to order, right, right. So, so yeah, the beans may not be fresh, but the brew is fresh. Usually what they have is a grinder sitting there that's set to a particular dose. They, they have a timer on their grinder. Well, they'll put the, the portafilter underneath the grinder and it will grind exactly. Just what they need for that order. Right. And it, I mean, it takes seconds, you know, it's just, it, it's all kind of yeah, like one fluid motion. Yeah. You'll see them get the, the grounds, they'll tamp it down, they'll put it up in the machine. And, you know, all that is part of the art of the barista, what the barista does. It's, it's run through, it's made and they steam the milk, you know, while that, while all these things are being done. So yeah, it is, it is made to order. And as a concept, I think what has been, has been going on for, you know, maybe a century with things like espresso, you know, they, they weren't making espresso waiting for you to, to come in. Oh, look, here, we have a pitcher full of espresso. You know, they, they, would, they would make it. What is new is the idea of brewing a cup, hand brewing a cup with a pour over or um, like you make them here with the AeroPress. There's that made-to-order aspect that isn't in the espresso realm. It, it's not sitting there in a, in a big vat waiting for you to, to tap it out. Tony Shalhoub was in a movie where he played um, a chef in a, an Italian restaurant. Do you remember the, play, the movie? No. I don't know who Tony Shalhoub is. Monk. Oh, the guy from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll probably edit this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm editing this. This might be kind of boring for listeners. I'm not saying the name of the movie. God. Why is it important? It was one of those turning points for me when understanding espresso because it was it was like the height of their restaurant. They were so proud of their espresso machine and they were making fresh coffee there. They were they thought it was so great. Part of their mystique that everything was just like the best. That that was what they took pride in. Yeah, but isn't isn't that interesting that they do separate espresso from coffee? It's like this is well, you, yeah, sure you can get a cup of coffee, but have you tried our espresso? Why why do you allow your brewed coffee to be this substandard thing? But then you then you take pride in well, this is our espresso. What well, what's different about it? Uh, well, there's a different process. That, well, no, actually, what's mainly different about it is you're making it. Right on the spot. You're making it fresh when people order it. Okay, it's killing me. I wanted to refer to this movie. I, I'm not finding it, but it was starring Tony Shalhoub, and he played this um, Just look him up on IMDb. Yes, and I'm looking it oh. over. I, I just, I'm not seeing the movie. If one of our listeners knows the one I'm thinking of, please tell me in a message. I'm sorry, I'm just not seeing it. But Tony Shalhoub was in Galaxy Quest, and he was in Monk, brilliant actor. He plays a, an Italian chef in a small town in this one movie where he takes real pride in what he makes, what he serves in the kitchen. And he's very finicky with his customers. If they want to make a specialty order of something more plain and Americanized and they, they're complaining of how long it takes while he's working so hard to give them the best product ever, the best experience. And along these lines, they have the fancy espresso machine in the corner and, you know, actually something up at the front counter and the the hostess or the host of the restaurant will prepare the espresso beverages while the chef is busy taking care of other things. And it's just interesting to me that the way it was presented, it was 60s, 70s, or 80s. I'm not exactly sure what time the story was in, but you see in this different era how that espresso machine was ahead of what you got in the coffee maker, in a traditional drip coffee maker, at the other restaurant across the street. Right. Yeah, I mean, just think about the the different competitions they have. They've got the they've got the uh, the world barista contest or competition. All these all these baristas competing against each other. And what do they make? Well, an espresso drink of some sort. You've got the AeroPress championships where people make their their, yeah, their see, AeroPress. I, but why isn't there an electric drip 
coffee maker championship. It's in this 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 weird class where, well, you don't really do anything. All you're doing is putting coffee in the basket and pouring water over it, and it does everything else. And I another, think that belittles the the whole concept that, look, it does matter. It does matter how much coffee you use. It, it does matter how fast you pour it in. It does matter temperature what temperature matters. the water is. It matters how fine the grind is. I mean, all these things The espresso matter. machine proves this because you'll spend thousands of dollars on a good right. espresso machine. Right, and, and thousands of dollars for, for a good grinder. That makes this consistent grind that, that it, you know, it extracts perfectly. It inhibits the water enough that it can build up the pressure in there, but it also allows the water to go through. It doesn't get clogged. You know, there's, there's all these variables involved in, in any process of making coffee, but we belittle the like electric drip and the, and the pour over as well. Like anybody can do that. Well, yeah, but anybody can also make it better too with right. care and dedication and recognition of if you have a consistent grind or if you have an inconsistent grind or all those things are going to add up to a better cup or a worse cup or, or, or there, I think I'm kind of like running down a, a, a spiral staircase here. No, I, I hear what you're saying. And it, it, you know, what it brings to mind is how many of these places just have an inconsistent standard when it comes to coffee. You know, that that's what we're ultimately saying. It's a trade-off between what's convenient and, and affordable. Right. Convenience and quality. Right. You know, it's, it's the, the ideal is to have both. And I think, I think a lot of places achieve that. Of course, it's going to depend on the on the skills of the of the barista and attention to detail in the process. But something that he makes on the spot for you is going to be more customized and theoretically better than than something that that somebody just dumped a from you know, Dunkin' pulled a foil bag open, or, dumped it in the top, yeah. and, and hit the and hit the water dump button. And uh, it's <laughs> the water dump button. <laughs> well, I mean that's what it does. You know, it it, it dumps a, a certain amount of water through the grounds. It does all the work. The water dump button. I just, I'm picturing this uh, red button that like lights up and it just says dump on it. And that's what pours the hot water into the urn. Uh, water pour button. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, the difference that we get with craft coffee is it's in the cup. And that's what I'm trying to get to is the most consistent results you can get are what you make at home. Not everybody has a blue bottle coffee house on every street corner, you know, that they, in their neighborhood. Right. What we have is what we make at home. And I think that if you want to make better coffee, eventually you'll catch on that you have to make it to order. You know, eventually, if you want to keep improving your craft, you don't have to become a snob about it. But if you really want something great and you want to serve it to others, a great beverage, you're going to have to make it to order. It's just, it's just what you end up having to do because what we're, we haven't really said it, but we despise drip coffee makers. We, we despise the electric makers. We have a distaste for that metallic taste you get out of a coffee urn or a percolator. The stuff that you get at church or the stuff you get at Dunkin' Donuts and, and the hotel lobby. The problem is that they went for convenience, the lowest common denominator stuff. They're, they're, making, they're making a lot of coffee at one time to serve a lot of people. Yeah, so it's, quantity ahead it's of hard. quality. It's hard to be like when you go into a restaurant and order the meal or, or whatever whatever meal you you ordered. I mean, there may be at, at that particular time there may be five other people that ordered that same meal. They can make a larger batch of it, but usually what's happening is is the chef is making your meal as you order it. So it, it's it's made to order. It's not now maybe the soup and the salad and other things like that, but your main course is at least the perception you have is that right. somebody's back there making it fresh on the on the spot, not pulling it out of some rotisserie or something and anticipating that you're going to come in and order it. That's the difference between 
between making coffee in, in mass volumes for mass amounts of people and, and making it for each individual person. And it, it has to be made to order. It has to be, be made for that person's particular preferences. So with the last few minutes of the show, I think that what we're getting to is what we do at home, what we prepare for ourselves at the household, you know, for, every, for everyone else in the household and for our company when we have guests over, Eric. Do we succumb to pressures and the burdens of a house party and we say, you know what, th- this time around, it's just too difficult to make everybody some, you know, made to order coffee. So what we're going to do is we're going to get the the dusty, you know, drip coffee maker out from under the kitchen cabinets, set it up here and, you know, just make some ordinary coffee for the occasion because of convenience. Meanwhile, I'll be out back flipping steaks on the grill. You know, like again, we're falling into the inconsistency trap. Yeah. But then again, you got to ask yourself, what does it matter to your guests and well, what matters to you? And we're, we're, we're getting back to the question that Mark asked us a couple of weeks ago. You know, how do you make craft coffee? How do you, how do you make, you know, a good quality cup of specialty coffee for a yard, a backyard full of people? And Really, it's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to answer. It's a well, it, um, and I feel like there's another answer to the question that we didn't really get to. If this were up to me, here's how I make my good coffee made to order at home. I get up every day and I make it for myself. I have to. I mean, like I, I don't want to burden my my wife and expect her to be the one who serves me that excellent coffee every day because I know it's about a ten minute investment first thing in the morning every daggum day. So that's going to be my responsibility but you, if I really want it. Her though. Now, if if you had a, a house full of ten house guests and they all all waking up at the same time, would you air press a cup of coffee for all ten of those people? And that's what I'm getting at. I I think it depends on how much I love them <laughs> and what the occasion is, you know. And if I'm trying to uh, serve them something I know they really genuinely appreciate. Like if this is my grandmother, I honestly don't think she would appreciate the difference I can make with what I make with my Aeropress or my Chemex. So what? What then? What would you do? What, I, what, what would you I, make I th- for her? I think at the end of the day, what you do is you make the coffee for the person, and you just try to suit their taste. Mm-hmm. Honest to God, if they want stevia in their coffee, make sure that you have stevia there that morning. Yeah, you know. And if they want the electric drip maker, and they don't care where the beans came from, because what they want is the consistency that they have experienced for the last you know, 50 years of their life, then maybe I pull that electric drip coffee maker out from under the cabinet. What do you think? Well, I think I make coffee for my guests the same way I make coffee for myself because I don't have an electric drip machine in my house. We got rid of it. That's true. So, so, so you make it for yourself the way, in the French press, the way I mean, that you I'll like make, it. I'll make more of it. Um, and they can dilute it and they can add their own additives to suit their taste if they like. Yeah, but 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 ideally it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of an ordeal. Um, no matter what not, you do, not, it's going not to ideally, be. Ideally, it is. It is going to be a bit of an ordeal, depending on if if we have you know a, another family over and and it's just it's just two or four of them, and maybe they're not all coffee drinkers, so I only have to make maybe only have to make two French presses or or make two Chemexes or something like that. But if it's if it's a mass amount of people, I'm going to try and think that through before they get there. And, yeah. And like I said on the. Uh, the uh, the episode where we where we talked about serving a backyard full of people maybe have a concentrate you know have a a cold pressed gallon of coffee ahead of time that that you can that you can heat up with water that is the some, best bet put some boiling water in there and and I mean it's it's not going to be the greatest cup of coffee everybody's everybody's going to be uh, having at that but it's going to be a whole lot better than if you run it through an electric drip machine and it's going to taste more hand handcrafted than than something like that would so. 
at the end of the day, I think that sometimes you have to make the easiest coffee you can make for the occasion. And then at other times, if, if time allows for it, if you have the means to make it, if it's convenient, you make the quality craft roast today, make it to order. Yeah. And you do that as often as you can. As a, as a restaurant or as a, as a cafe, you're trying to suit your customers' needs and trying to shoehorn all your customers into one mold is a bad business model. Sure. Every, everybody's going to come to your coffee house with different expectations. Some people are just want to going to grab something and go, and you gotta, you, you need to have that for them. Right. Other people are, are going to want it more handcrafted. And I don't think that enough people in common culture just yet appreciate the made to order stuff. It, it, you look at Starbucks success, which is built on top of Dunkin' Donuts success, mm-hmm. which is on top of McDonald's and Burger King's, which is built on top of the classic American diners. All the coffee was made in the most convenient way imaginable. Mm-hmm. And then you have Blue Bottles and the other indie coffee houses popping up all over America. Yeah. And while they're making the made-to-order coffees, and that is growing in popularity, the lines are forming out the door. People are willing to wait more than 20 minutes for their made-to-order coffee, Eric. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's making some kind of difference to these people. It is. And, 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 that's, and that's where the, you know, the specialty coffee industry as a whole has uh, so much room to grow. Um, there, there, there are always going to be some people who don't care, who just say, give me my black liquid in a cup with a paper sleeve or whatever else. And, and, and let me go. You know, I just, I just, I just want the, 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 the coffee energy boost. That's, that's all, that's all I'm looking for. I mean, you're never, no, I'm going to say never, but you're probably not going to, going to reach that person preaching the, the gospel of, of specialty coffee. They, they're no. just not that interested. But I think the interest level is is increasing over time. People people are seeing that. Sure, there's a lot of hype, a lot of mystical language and things around specialty coffee, and you're like, oh, this is this is bright, or this is you, you know all these all these descriptions. Fruity, people, savory. Yeah, people used to describe it, and, and those things are true to an extent. But there is this really clear side of it where you taste the urn coffee, the 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 grab and go. And then you immediately taste something that's made to order. I think the quality difference yeah. is is pretty apparent right away. You may not may not necessarily be able to pick out what the difference is, but mm. I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. And and people are starting to be able to recognize that that just like every other food, every other custom made food, coffee takes time. So if you want a good uh, handcrafted cup of coffee, it's going to take a little bit of time. Well, and that's where I think we need to head for the future. That we need to find more ways to make convenient coffee that's also more like craft coffee, or craft coffee that is more convenient. I, I think ultimately you have to find the best of all virtues because people still need that expediency. Because, right, like you brought up earlier, you're not going to get more time. And I spend more than an hour, no, more than two hours a week making my craft coffee mm-hmm. at home. I appreciate that time investment from but what yeah, I but, get. Yeah, but you don't consider that to be time wasted. It's not time wasted. So, But if there was a magical method of brewing it faster, I would take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, yeah, and I don't think there there is. Not yet. No, there maybe, isn't now. Maybe 10, 15 years from now, there will be this magical method, but... I think I think we yeah. need to re- we need to recognize that this, this is how it is. You know, if time is of the essence to you, then you will go to Burger King. But if if what you want is a is a really quality handmade hamburger, you're going to go somewhere where it's going to take more time, and you're not going to view that as time wasted. You're going to actually kind of view that as time invested because the right. payoff is so big. Right. This beautiful. You don't take your date to Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. take her. To so I mean, place. we need we need to just carry that thinking all the way out to everything that we put into our bodies. And if, and if we want quality, quality takes time. Absolutely. 
Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. A different kind of discussion because we were still brainstorming through some of the issues, but I still feel like we're hitting on something. We're touching a nerve that all of us continuously experience, even the coffee nerds. We care about the craftsmanship and getting it made to order, but we also care about the needs that everyone experiences and we still need fast coffee too. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're a fast paced culture. So, so right. time is, is always on the forefront of, of people's minds, but I, I just, I just think somehow we need to, we need to strike a balance between. Sometimes you eat that, that granola bar for breakfast. And sometimes you make right. the bre- the eggs, the bacon, the pancakes. and all Right. That. But at, at, while you're doing that, you're recognizing it, that this, this isn't the best thing, No, but. Right now, at moment. this particular moment of time, time is more pressing than it, than it was yesterday or it's going to be tomorrow. So mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to do today. But, you know, it, everything's a trade-off. So I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Top Brew Podcast. You can find the show notes at topbrew.fm slash podcast slash 29. If you like the show and you want to show your support for us, rate and review the podcast on iTunes today. Don't delay because... It actually makes the most difference when you rate and review the show the days that it comes out. And if you want to send a message to us, we are Top Brew FM on Twitter. You can also reach me specifically there. I'm underscore Joe Darnell. Any messages you want to get to Eric, you can send them uh, via email to feedback at topbrew.fm. Finally, thanks again to Thrasher Coffee for supporting the show. Use the 25% discount code TOPBREW on your order and let them know that we sent you. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Top Brew. Say goodbye, Eric. Goodbye, Eric.